Welcome back to the All in a Homeschool Day podcast. We are wrapping up our Struggling Learner series. If you missed the previous episodes in the series, you can either catch them on your favorite podcast player or you can go to the show notes post, which is triumphantlearning.com forward slash struggling learner. And today on the the podcast. I have a guest with me. I have Kristen Morris of Delightfully Feasting, and she's going to share her experiences with struggling learners and what she has found to be most helpful. And I think that you'll find some practical tips in this episode that you will be able to put into practice in your homeschool this week. So welcome back, Kristen. It's good to have you again. Hi, it's good to be here. We always have a good time. <laughs> we do. And remind me, both of your boys have some struggles, different struggles, but they both um, kind of fall into this category. Yes. So I have a 10 year old and he is dyslexic, dysgraphic, um, and probably would be diagnosed um, with some form of ADD. And then I have a six year old who um, is um, absolutely. Um, ADD. And then he is, I believe he's dyslexic as well. Uh, he, he just did first grade this year. So it's still a little early to tell. Um, but I'm pretty certain that he's dyslexic as well. So let's just start off on that, um, that topics. I was actually having a conversation with a friend this week about, Uh, her son potentially being dyslexic and that causing some of their problems. What have you found to be the most helpful as you're dealing with um, just those, that specific learning challenge? So specifically um, with dyslexia, it um, really requires, um, this has been both one of the biggest challenges and the biggest helps. It really requires understanding um, what personhood means and understanding um, that there's a tension between um, seeing my child as a person, an entire person, and also hating to see them struggle just because dyslexia um, presents very practical struggles. And of course, we think of dyslexia as not being able to read very well. And that is so practical when we read so much in our life that um, I just uh, found it both a struggle, but also very helpful for me to be able to just know that there will always be a tension between seeing um, his personhood as including dyslexia, which actually includes way more than not being able to read very well. Um, and it includes some, some gifts as well. Um, but also knowing that I'll always hate to see him struggle and that I will always want to help him um, develop tools in order to struggle less and that it's okay to feel both. Um, things and that uh, it's okay to just pivot and adapt and um, change course a little bit and do what works while it works and then and then do something different. Do you have some specific resources that you found particularly helpful? I actually um, have have discovered along the way that um, I I haven't really found things that are specifically meant for dyslexics to be uh, all that helpful. Um, What I found is that in a living education, um, just an an education that's organic and natural, um, not even necessarily, you know, um, 
spe- specific to all of Charlotte Mason's rules rules per se or strategies per se, but just an education that it could be as natural as possible and as organic as possible really presented things that helped him. And so um, the the tools that I would say are not specific resources or programs or curriculums. And, and in fact, I would say that um, that anything that I purchased that was meant for dyslexics um, wasn't really worth my, my money. And I'm not saying that, that there's nothing good out there, but, um, I just found that living books, um, if I just trust, um, the power of a book filled with ideas that it covers a multitude of sins, if you will. (laughs) Um, and that, um, that it's, such a tool when anytime I don't know what to do, I can just read a living book um, until I figure out what to do or until I do find a better tool um, or until I do have more knowledge or until I have prayed over something and I, and I feel a little bit more peace in it. I can always just use a living book. And then the other tool that I would say is just creative scheduling, understanding your freedom in um, holding to principles of a specific philosophy of education like Charlotte Mason or, um, or a living education, but scheduling in a way that um, allows for weaknesses to be accommodated and strengths to be, um, to be poured into and growth to happen um, and not feeling like because um, Mason's program has something on the schedule three times that I can't have it five times or that I can't have it only one time because I don't want to take it away. But my dyslexic can't handle five times in a week of, of a certain thing. So living books, creative scheduling. I know that's not, um, <laughs> you know, a secret formula, but um, those are two tools that have really, um, really helped me. And I find I can always uh, fall back on them and trust them when I'm just not sure what to do. And so what I'm, an overarching theme that I'm hearing is being comfortable enough to say, I know what my child needs and give it to him because you are trying to meet him where he is so that you can help him progress, but not in a way that is frustrating him too much. Yes. Helping him grow. Yes, indeed. In fact, I would add um, my own instincts, you know, as a tool (laughs) or a resource um, based on what you just said, you just made me think that also my instincts, I can trust those because I believe God gave them to me. Um, Of course, knowing that I would have a dyslexic and maybe two. (laughs) You know, this is so, this is so fun because I just recorded Uh, an interview to wrap up the next series, which was going to be about gifted learners. And the conversation is so similar on both ends of the spectrum. And I I think it applies to, you know, the entire spectrum, whether you have a child who just sails along and does great, whether you have a child who's gifted and has their own unique struggles, or you have a struggling learner, um, the, the theme that I'm hearing, and um, I think that you'll hear throughout the course of these two series, is to be a student of your child, to make the changes that you need to make, because that's the, one of the beauties and flexibility of homeschooling, um, and to view your child and the, the label, so to speak, 
of struggling learner or gifted learner or dyslexic or whatever that might be, not only as um, helpful in terms of making the changes that you need to make, but as a gift, because like you said, there are, I think it's really hard, particularly for our struggling learners, but for all of our kids, it's hard when they struggle. And I know that um, in the past two weeks, I've had the conversation with both of my girls and they're on different ends of the spectrum of why, why is this so hard? Why didn't I like that? Why did, why do I have to deal with this? And my answer is that's how God made you mm-hmm. that yeah. you, there are no mistakes, but you have your own unique challenges. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. I've often um, spoken with my dyslexic about how every person and every type of person has strengths and weaknesses. Um, and that um, many of the strengths cannot exist without the corresponding corresponding weaknesses. And so um, a, a strategy that I've um, definitely employed is um giving him the space, having many conversations and giving him the grace to learn to um, understand himself and to try to understand him and to, um, to know that, that um, his strength, he has his own unique strengths. He has his own unique weaknesses and he, um, he needs to be comfortable expressing that, understanding that, knowing that and uh, meeting his own needs and expecting me to meet his needs. And so um, if, you know, if I'm going to be a student of him, I want him to be a student of himself um, and um, regulate himself, advocate for himself. Um, and sometimes he doesn't get that right. Um, there's no right, you know, but sometimes he um, he um, sometimes he's overwhelmed when I think he shouldn't be. Or sometimes he you know, sometimes there's a fine line between character and between his his needs um, because of his struggles. But. I, I think it's more important to allow that to not be perfect or the way that I would want it to be in any single day um, so that over the span of his time at home with me, he will learn to self-regulate and advocate for himself and press into his strengths and develop his weaknesses in a way that's sensible and reasonable. Um, I think the the span of his time with me is much more important than any one single day. So that's definitely been um, both a strategy and also just a place where my heart has had to learn to rest and to be. So I certainly agree. What's what, what are some of the challenges from a par- your parenting perspective or um, just that trying to help him and knowing what to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say um, back to what I what I just mentioned, I would say that uh, navigating the um, tension between his character um, and what I believe that um, is expected of all people, no matter their challenges um, or their strengths um, and what should be expected of all people um, between that and between um, each person, you know, having their own needs um, and, and uh, navigating the tension between what is personality related, what is character related, what is heart related. <laughs> Um, what is um, and related to a struggle. And again, sometimes I don't, um, sometimes if I lay awake at night and think about it, I didn't address an issue that was character because I attributed it to a struggle and vice versa. Sometimes I, I did the reverse. Um, but again, over many years of time, um, 
I, that's a challenge, but I pray that I'm pressing into that challenge and that he is too, and that we're talking about it. Um, and, um, just being open with each other so that, you know, he can learn to, um, develop his character and expect his character to be, um, what it should be despite his struggles, but that he also won't be, um, condemning of his struggles, um, and label those things as character or heart issues. So it's definitely been a struggle to navigate, (laughs) um, the differences. And of course, kids are kids. So sometimes he will use his struggle as an excuse for a character or heart issue. Um, so, uh, just navigating that has been a struggle, but I think it's also a blessing. And I think that it's definitely a struggle that's worth, um, pressing into and navigating together. So what do you do when you realize that he's intentionally or unintentionally? I think often around here, it ends up being unintentionally, but using the struggle as an excuse to not grow. Um, I try to invest into this um, tendency of all humans and just, um, of, like you said, many times it's unintentional, but also it's our, it's all of our tendency to take the easy way out. Right. Um, and so I try to invest in counteracting that on the front end. And so by that, I just mean that, um, I have created our schedule and, and the expectations that I have of him in a way that for the most part, I'm pretty confident that I'm not expecting too much of him. Um, because I've really prayed about, really pondered, really thought about our schedule ahead of time. And if something is very difficult for a dyslexic, I've pulled that thing really back. And I've um, given him the amount that I um, can can really confidently say is not too much for him. So um, that's one thing is to invest on the front end into that um, so that I can say to him, you know, this isn't just something we're, we're, doing on the fly. We're not just, you know, trying this out today. And, 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 you know, so I'm not um, just hoping that it's not too much for you. Mom has really prayed about this. I've really thought about this. And um, so um, I do that. And so then for the most part, I expect follow through, um, even if it requires breaks, and even if it requires finishing in the evening, and then maybe before bed, which I know breaks all the Charlotte Mason rules, but, um, (laughs) but um, it's, it's definitely um, allowed me to require follow through, require him to do the work that I prayerfully um, considered uh, him capable of, but also meet his need and allow for a break. And then um, the last thing is just to um, change course if I figure out that I'm wrong, um, and to apologize. to him and just say, you know, I was wrong. Um, on either side, I was wrong. I think you can totally handle this. And because I met resistance in you, I took the easy way out myself and I allowed you not to do it. (laughs) And so now you're going to, to do it or I was wrong. This really is hard. You're right. This is a lot. I've evaluated. It's too much. I'm going to pull back a little bit. So being flexible as you go and just finding ways to encourage and um, kind of keep pushing along, I guess. Yes. A gentle pushing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we almost never just ditch anything um, in the moment, um, but I will allow him to table something. So we don't ditch it, but we'll just table it. Um, and that way I have the freedom to come back to him. Like I said, maybe that evening um, 
or whenever and say, I really would like you to finish this thing. Um, so I'm not ignoring him, <laughs> but I'm also not uh, allowing him to not do anything that's hard. <laughs> it sounds like to you have had a lot of conversations with him that um, set your expectation, mm -hmm. but also recognize the struggle that he has. And as a result, it sounds like he is, even when he gets, I'm sure he gets frustrated. I know we have that around here, but um, he's trying and trying to push through even when it's difficult. Yes. Yes. And he's definitely grown in that um, over the years. Um, and, and I've just you know, realized, I realized early on that it was definitely something that was going to have to grow and develop and that it was, um, that it tapped into that side of the tension that involves character. Perseverance is definitely a character trait. And so um, while I've always had the same expectation of him persevering, I've realized that over time that's, it, it's going to look different. It's going to look better and better and better. And so um, again, just using my instincts. And I also, um, really invested the time to know the inherent value of everything that's in our schedule and everything that I require of him and to it, communicate that value to him. Um, and, and I think that's been a really important strategy so that when we meet struggle and difficulty, we can talk about what the value is and why we're doing it. And that because it's hard, doesn't make it a bad thing because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. So um, copy work has been a a, uh, an example of that, knowing the value of copy work, a dyslexic, dysgraphic, obviously doesn't like <laughs> to do copy work. Um, and so I employed the strategy of scaling back, slowing the pace. Um, he does much less than a um, neurotypical 10 year old Charlotte Mason student would would usually do. But I didn't eliminate it entirely, because while he doesn't get some of the value that other students get, he still does get some of it. And so I just evaluated that myself, um, navigated through it, landed on that value, and then communicated that to him. So even though it's a hard part of our day, and I have scaled it back, I am also able to remind him of what the value is. And um, so that's an example of a way that I've pressed into that, that strategy as well. Yeah, finding ways to help them see the value has been really motivating for my daughter. And just, I think also pointing out her growth and whenever she's struggling in a, I want to say new area, but not, it's not like it's a new struggle. It's just, we've, we've, uh, overcome a number of struggles. And so when we hit that next stage, just reminding her, um, of where she's been and where she's come. So, Right now, we are kind of struggling a little bit with math, and we, we have the conversation frequently, remember how hard reading was, and you, you mastered it. Your switch flipped. You are now reading very fluently. Remember how hard spelling was? You're doing so much better. You can work on words for a week, and they're making sense. They're clicking. You're remembering them. This will come too but this is where your current struggle is. And so um, for her anyway, helping her to see what she's capable of mm -hmm. and what she's accomplished has been really valuable to 
keep her motivated and keep her moving in the, the right direction. I love that. And I love that because um, they're capable and have accomplishments in both what they're naturally gifted in and also in those areas where they struggle. And I think sometimes we can be very quick to um, remind them and compliment them um, in the areas that they're more gifted in or, or naturally adept in. But I love uh, that reminder to remind them how far they've come, even in the areas that they struggle in, because even um, a slow progress is progress and, and they, um, they are capable of, of that too. And I also uh, was thinking while you were talking that that's where the, um, some of the crossroads between parenting and home education comes in because my tendency can be to, um, and a struggle that I, I have had is to do what you're describing, but only in our school day. And mm. the, um, the, op- the real opportunity for it comes outside of our classroom and, and outside of the school day, because that's when he sounds out words on a sign that he sees. And that's when he tries to read the back of the cereal box and things like that. So um, it's been a struggle, but I've been slowly learning and, and growing in the area of um, reminding him how far he's come and um, seeing having the margin margin in my day to stop and see that he's sounding out words and that um, that he's slowly developing and growing in the areas that challenge him. And I think when we do that, that provides some motivation for them to assume responsibility mm-hmm. for their learning, which I, I think it is, it can be harder for, I I don't know. I'm going to say this. I think it can be harder for our struggling learners to want Mm -hmm. to put in that hard effort because it is, it is so hard. It is so tiring for them. And, um, I know there have been many times that my daughter has just said, I don't want to, not that she can't, not that she won't. It's just, she's tired. She's tired of trying. And thankfully we're, things are getting a little bit easier for her in most subjects and we're finding ways that, um, that she's motivated to work harder. So over, like you said, over time, it's just getting easy, a little bit easier, but, uh, there were a number of days that it was just, she's like, I just don't want to. And, um, finding that motivation for her and Mm -hmm. what really excites her and what you need to know this in order to do what you're really wanting to do. And those building blocks Mm -hmm. um, that as, as she was seeing the connection outside of lessons, she Mm -hmm. then would start putting forth a little more effort on her own specifically, um, Towards the end of last year, and then definitely this year, her spelling started to uh, make a lot more sense. And I think it was just that progression of um, the brain maturation of what she needed to have in place for all that to start clicking for her. And spelling is still really hard. She really does not like the English language and how it just breaks all the rules. And she's like, well, it should, it sounds like it should be like this. Like, I totally agree, but it's not, <laughs> but she is finding, she keeps a list of words that she wants to work on mm-hmm. and she'll be adding them to it. And we'll be going throughout the day. And, um, she was doing a geography written narration recently this week. And she's, 
<laughs> she did not spell medieval right, and she was she was typing it. So spell check helps her some, but it didn't know what she was trying to say. And she said, oh, I need to put that on my spelling list because I, I use that all the time because she loves that time <laughs> period. So she keeps a list going. And even though we have dictation every week and, you know, we're finding passages that are pushing her just a little more, just a little more. And she identifies the words that she needs to work on in those passages. She'll add a few of these words in too. So she's trying to get to that 10 to 12 words a week um, level because that's what's working for her right now. And so if the, um, the words in the passage don't add up to that, she'll throw a few more in from her list. Or mm -hmm. some weeks we'll just, um, she'll have this huge list that she's been working on and there are words that she uses on a weekly basis. So there are words that would be really helpful for her to master. And so we'll just take a week like, okay, this week it will just be spelling words. And because she's taking that initiative and is motivated to learn them, I'm okay modifying what we're doing. Like what you were saying, just knowing where your child is mm -hmm. and that little bit is enough to keep her motivated on a subject that is really difficult for her. But because we're also pulling in ways to make it practical, she's not seeing it as a chore. Mm. Yeah. I, um, you, every time that, that we um, record um, together, I, you, I'm encouraged by, you know, you're a little further along, your children are a little older. I'm just encouraged by, um, you know, seeing a little bit further down the road and on the other side of it. Um, and uh, what I, what I heard that encouraged me was remembering to um, honor when they take ownership. And so, you know, if, if an, if a living education is truly living, then, then um, taking ownership of it has to be met with um, you know, with, with us honoring that and saying, it doesn't have to look like the way that I necessarily would plan it out. Um, and it doesn't have to look like it looked three years ago, because now you're taking ownership of your own education. So um, I love that. And, and that that encourages me to, to do the same. So what advice kind of going along that line of thought of just um, the the homeschool parent who is just getting started with um, figuring out what their struggling learner needs and figuring out how how to make this work and how to um, either modify their curriculum so that everybody is making progress and not getting frustrated because let's face it, we don't want to end all of our days in tears. <laughs> That's just not helpful for any of us. So, um, what advice would you give to that parent to just encourage them and um, keep them in, moving along? I would first say to um, know what you um, value in education and what you believe the education of a person is and even what you believe that a person is um, first and then look at your individual person or people <laughs> Um, and determine how to bend and mold and scale back uh, what you believe about education. And, and after everything I've said about, you know, mother's instincts and uh, meeting our children where they are and honoring them as people, that can seem a little counterintuitive. But um, 
I actually think that it enables us to honor them and respect them because we do have to honor them by meeting them where they are. But as we've already talked about a little bit, we also have to honor them by not removing every bit of struggle for them um, and not allowing them to, um, to meet up with anything that's difficult for them um, and persevere through it. And so in order to honor them in both ways, we have to be able to remove our emotions um, from the equation. Um, And so I think we do that by determining what we believe education is and um, kind of nailing out an educational philosophy, although that's um, kind of lofty. And I would say to just really take each subject and say, what would, um, what would, an ideal education look like in this subject. Um, And then to take that, take that information, take that uh, piece that you have in what you've prayed about and pondered and and kind of nailed down and then, and then think about the children that you are educating and determine how to mold it to them. That way you're, um, you're equipped with what you um, would um, love for it to be but you're also honoring the situation that you have at hand, the circumstances that you have, the actual child that you have, the struggles that they have, the strengths that they have. Um, and so you're, you're equipped to, like I said, honor them by meeting them where they are and accommodating their weaknesses and feeding their strengths, but also honoring them by um, expecting them and allowing them and giving them space to develop their character, which requires perseverance and difficulty. We all have to persevere through, through our difficulty. I think that is such incredible advice to know what your goal is. I think I think that's another way to say it, kind of another way I think about it, just to provide a little, um, a, a couple of perspectives, because I know oftentimes something that one person says makes sense a little differently. So you're talking about knowing what, um, what you, what you want to achieve in your education, what your purpose is, what your goals are, and uh, just taking it to that simple step of saying, why are we studying this subject? What do we want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. That has been uh, so helpful for us too, in that I can step back and say, okay, this is what I've read we're supposed to do. And this is what um, maybe Charlotte Mason says, or this is if we purchase every now and then I'll purchase a curriculum like I did for my older daughter for history this year. And we've totally changed it around, but it's that uh, base structure because I didn't want to go find all the books and all the questions and and all of that because it was just one of those years where like, that's just not going to happen this year. <laughs> so taking that and then saying, what do we want to achieve? What What is our purpose? And being able to then um, modify that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think just being able to keep that in mind helps us to stay flexible. Yes, I would agree. I like to think of it as freedom within the fence. And nobody gets yes. to build a fence for you. You get to do that. But if you go ahead and build the fence, then you can... Um, give yourself freedom and your student freedom within it. But you can also, um, you know, you can also recognize when you're coming up against the fence that you built. And so if you're removing everything that's hard, the fence line will tell you that you're not going to achieve what it is that you wish to, or that you want to, or that you want for them, or that you know that they're capable of, Um, or um, even just adapting 
um, in the way that seems best, again, in the emotional throes of a hard day, <laughs> um, especially when, you know, they are also emotional and, and they've also struggled. So uh, I, I'd like to think of it as freedom within the fence. The mom, mom builds the fence, um, but we can build that fence with, like you said, reading about what maybe Charlotte Mason says, um, but then, you know, choosing what we're, what we're going to aim for based on our children. Um, we can also build the fence by, um, you know, like you said, the the structure, basic structure of the curriculum, or, um, I, I love history curriculums just because they tell me the order that things happened in. <laughs> That's a very practical fence building strategy. Um, I don't know what order things happened in. I didn't receive a living history <laughs> education. So they already <laughs> take the books for us and they put them in the order that we should read yes. them and we can choose to read them or not, but we at least don't have yeah. to spend so much time thinking about it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because okay. there's enough that we're trying to think about in terms of customizing the education for our child. And that could be those accommodations, or it could just be um, knowing our child and knowing one, what they've already read, knowing uh, what they need more exposure to, knowing where their sensitivities are. It's just there's there's so much that comes into play that taking advantage of those tools, mm -hmm. make them a tool for us that, yeah. um, I, but I love the analogy of letting that, that tool be a fence. Because if you think about letting your children go out and play in your yard when they're young, or your dog for that matter, mm -hmm. if you let them out, uh, you know that they are in a safe environment. And so you're not worried about them. You know where um, they know how far they can go. They know what their limits are. And that get, you're right. That gives you that freedom to then kind of play around with stuff until you find what's really working to help you achieve those goals. Yes. And then applying that analogy to what we've already talked about, I think it also gives them the ability to take ownership if they're outside playing and you're not hovering over them because they have a safe boundary, then they, they take ownership and also applying it to what we've already talked about. It doesn't remove every danger. There could be an ant pile um, and they will probably climb a tree if they're boys um, <laughs> um, speaking from experience. Um, so it doesn't remove every danger, but it removes um, the inability to, to let them have freedom. Um, so I think it, I think it's an analogy that applies across the board with all of the strategies that we've talked about. I think that is an excellent way for us to wrap up, to just remind the, the parents listening that you are your child's best teacher because you love your child. You are trying to create that environment for them where they can learn their best uh, where you can learn what your child needs. You can have the freedom to really provide that mm -hmm. living education that will help your child to grow, to mature, and um, just you both to have that grace to grow along with each other. Yes. Yeah. And just to remember that no single day, week, or even year of home education makes or breaks the whole of it. Um, and I think that when we have a struggling learner, we allow ourselves to feel that pressure just a little bit 
Um, more profoundly, we feel like they may never read or, and, and if they may never read, then they may never get a job. And if they may never get a job, then, you know, next, next worry, next worry, next worry. But, um, but it's also true for them. No one year will make or break it. No, no day will certainly make or break it. And I think their struggle is often so much more visible and noticeable than all of our children struggle, period. We all struggle, period. The issue is I think their struggles are so visible that we're very conscious and they're very conscious of how other people view them and view their abilities. So um, such a good reminder. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. It was um, it was so good to hear so many of these reminders and um, just take away some extra practical tips to take into our week and apply to our children, apply to us. It always ends up turning back around that there are so many things that when we're trying to help our children, there are so many things we can do for ourselves as we're helping our children too. So it's been a blast. And I want to thank you again for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. If you would like to connect with Kristen, you can do so at www.delightfullyfeasting.com. And I would like to let you know about a workshop series that she has coming up in February. It is titled A Living Education for All, Charlotte Mason for Out-of-the-Box Learners. And you probably noticed throughout this podcast episode that we were talking about knowing your child, being a student of your child, and providing what your child needs to uh, learn at his optimal best and to just provide an education for him that is customized and in the way that he needs it. So she will be touching on many of those aspects, talking about uh, knowing what you want to achieve in your education and different types of learners, as well as how to adapt and grow with your child and provide the tools that they need to thrive. I'll have a link for this in the show notes that you can connect with Kristen and uh, register for this workshop if you want. It is very low priced and I think you would be blessed by it. Whether you have a child who is a struggling learner or who is um, on the other end of the spectrum and is a gifted learner but has challenges also. So I'll have a link for this workshop that you can check that out if you're interested. I am not an affiliate and don't receive a commission for this, but I did want to let you know about it in case it would be helpful. And stay tuned for next week. We'll be continuing our series about providing a customized education to your gifted learners. Until next time, have a triumphant day.